You know, it's, it's kind of crazy. A lot of people just have to have everything they say validated. Am I right? Welcome to Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a what a beautiful, beautiful day today is. I'm here in Estes Park, Colorado, kind of at the top of the world. It is a beautiful, bright, snowing day. It's like, yeah, I woke up this morning, I looked out my window, and it just, uh, it was Christmas. I mean, of course it's not, yeah, but you know what I mean. It was just... The snow had started overnight, and the and the ground was covered, and the the trees were dusty, and, and they've just it's it's a beautiful beautiful day, and I am once again thankful to be in it, and be a part of it, and be up and breathing and moving, and and the opportunity to express whatever thoughts I have, which I'm going to tell you, boys and girls, right now, I don't have a lot. Um, the uh, the shows continue to be uh, awesome, continue to be amazing. It is getting into late March of 2023 here, and uh, and you know I, I didn't know what would happen. Uh, you know, th- there's there's the rub, right? I got the job offer. I got the we we'd like to try this and see if we can make it work, and and hopefully the uh, the powers that be that run the place uh, will find some value in it, and we can keep it going. But we're going to give it a valiant effort. We're going to give it a, a, at least. You know, at least a year and see see what can happen. And it's just gone so beautifully. It's gone so amazing. Uh, the people that I get to meet, the, the the lives I get to share in, because, and I don't know if I've expressed this uh, adequately or well, but this is a very personal show. Um, this the thirteen I'm talking about the the theatrical seance experience. I, I I get very very personal in it. Uh, yes, of course we are we are conducting a séance and we are speaking with the spirits from the other side in a very non Disney sort of way. And um, but I talk about my mother's murder, and I talk about the relationship I had with my father and, and how how it, how different and distant it was and how. It wasn't until after he passed away that I realized how close we were. In my opinion, in the way that I was viewing things, I thought we were completely at odds uh, with everything. But uh, but it turns out that wasn't true. I have been a a dreamer and a and an artist and a class clown and a a show-off and a know-it-all and a, you know, speak-first-think-later kind of person, which, you know, in the real world can get you in trouble, but on stage, it can be it could be a benefit, it could be a bonus, it could be a selling point. So I was always looking at the whimsical side of things. Boy, I didn't mean to get into this story right now, but that's what it is, isn't it? So... Yeah, whimsical, and and I've been on stage, really, since I was about six years old. I didn't really discover acting, uh, you know, until a couple of years later, and then I I was in all of the the high school plays and the musicals, and I did a little theater in Charlotte, and 
you know, was in a rock band and I was a stand-up comedian and, you know, magic didn't actually come to me. Being a magician didn't happen until I was 26, 27 years old. Really late as far as, you know, most magicians go, but I applied theatrics and speaking to it and, and here I am, you know, living a a dream life in a beautiful place because I learned to do card tricks and and make them my own. My dad was an engineer, an architect. He had a very creative side, you know, the architecture kind of thing, but he was grounded in mathematics. He was grounded in his own philosophy and the way he looked at the world. And he didn't, he did not, the way he expressed it to me was that he did not care that, for the for the the life I was living, that, that uh, he thought people that were entertainers were trivial and not really con con contributing to society, and I should learn something a little more, you know, a, a job that would would be um, solid that, that you know wasn't wasn't frivolous. When I told him that uh, it was right right at the very beginning when I was doing magic and I was really studying the people that were doing it and how they were doing it and where they were doing it. It was around the time that Lance Burton got a, a multi-million dollar, I think it was $13 million for 10 years uh, in, in Las Vegas. And I showed him that article and I'm like, there's, there's money to be made. And my dad said, sure, $13 million, but then what? It's not real money. It's not steady money. And I still don't understand that that point of view till today, even till today. One of the biggest arguments we ever got into, and I'm not going to use the words fight because I fought with my stepfather. Um, I caught bruises. I caught broken a broken nose. I caught getting pushed through a wall. Uh, I got I caught. Uh, he dislocated my shoulder when I came in late one night. That's a fight. And after a while, I fought back, and that was a big mistake because he was bigger than me and, and more knowledgeable about how to fight than I was because I was never a physical kind of person. Um, I fought with him. With my dad, I argued. We, we had verbal sparring matches. Uh, one of the things, and, and, and he worked for a power company, and, and I was this, this discussion took place when I was around 17 or 18 years old, you know, Super smart, but dumb as hell. Uh, and he, in an in a, in a argument we were having, he told me that what I was doing was um, uh, I was preying on people's emotions. I was making money off of making people feel things. Yeah, they they want to uh, they want to sing, so you play them a song, and they want to laugh, so you tell them a joke, and you you expect them to give you money for that. You're like a prostitute. You know, you, you make them happy and they, they pay you off. It's not respectable. It's not good. And my unthinking response back to my dad was, uh, you know, you work for the power company and you exploit people's needs uh, for money. They, they want to warm their houses. They want to cook their food. And you charge them money to be able to do that and to live. So... You know who's worse, or what's the what's the what's the uh, what's the worst viewpoint? My dad played football in college. Uh, he played with Sonny Jurgensen. Um, football buffs will know who that is. <clears throat> he was he was big in the in the seventies. Really good football player. I had a poster of Sonny Jurgensen on my uh, 
bedroom wall that I neither asked for nor really wanted. But Dad went to college with him, and he became famous as a football player. And Dad was proud to have known him, so he uh, he bought me a poster and put it up in my room so that I could uh, be inspired. And uh, Dad tried to get me to play play sports. He tried, you know, baseball and basketball and football and all the things that were, you know, we'd go to the Y, and he would <clears throat> he would teach me how to how to dribble and how to do a layup and and uh, he would we toss a football around and I I kind of did it for him cuz it made him happy, you know. But I wasn't good at it. Can't catch a ball to save my life. Never been in a in a in a real fight, you know, other than just trying to defend myself from getting the crap beat out of me by my stepfather, but you know, not never a real fight against another human being cuz just it always seemed distasteful to me. Um, can't catch a ball, can't hit a ball, can't, uh, can't certainly can't throw one, and and that diminished me in my father's eyes, as, as far as I knew. Um, why why am I telling this story? I don't know why I'm telling this story, <laughs> but we started it right. Um, so one of the biggest memories I have of my dad other than uh, I had a uh, he gave me a racetrack for Christmas a little electric uh, uh, racing cars you know and you'd have a, a uh, <clears throat> not a joystick but like a trigger that could make the cars go slower or faster and they'd race around the track and I was always wiping out on the curves because I didn't understand you know how that worked and, and I, I remember him sitting across from me uh, racing against me, and he's smoking a cigarette, and and really, really into it, and I, I really, really wasn't. But anyway, <clears throat> we after being cut from uh, yet another team, and I believe this one was was uh, was baseball. Uh, we were walking back to the car, and I was apologizing to my father for being cut from the team because I just. And I just uh, I couldn't couldn't do anything. They tried me in every position they could, and and they even tried me on the bench for the for a while. And uh, after one game, uh, the coach went over to my dad and was just like, "It's just not just not going to work out. He doesn't really have anything to offer the team. You know, maybe try again next year if he if he has more interest or or has more experience or or whatever." So we're walking back to the car. And I'm telling him, I'm sorry, you know, I just, I don't, I'm just not good at it. I, I've tried, and I, and, I, and I want to do it for you. And he said something along the lines of, you shouldn't be doing it for me, you should be doing it because you want to do it. And uh, I think maybe I've pushed you too hard into something, you know, that you're just never going to be good at. And he said... Um, and I, I know you guys know I'm adopted. I, I am a, an adopted child. Um, but um, my dad said when we were when we were talking it over, when we were talking about the adoption, we were talking about wanting a child. And since we can't have one on our own, you know, what 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 are we looking for? What what kind of child do we want? And the first, you know, I, I wanted the boy first. 
I wanted a, I wanted a son that I could I could play catch with, and I wanted a son that I could uh, cheer on the on the on the field. You know, I uh, I wanted a son, and I feel like I didn't get one. Uh, I did not live up to his expectations. I tried, and then I went and I did what I was good at and what my heart wanted to do, and, uh, and I was right. This is what I was built for. This is what I was created for. My father passed away in his 60s from a, an aggressive form of cancer. Uh, died too young. Didn't get to see the the grand his grandkids grow up and, and the wonderful people they became. And at his wake, at the uh, at the uh, the viewing, uh, the night before we uh, we buried him, I was standing there with the family, with my kids, with my wife. And uh, I, I almost walked out of the room because I had a feeling I was in the wrong place. People were coming up to me, you know, I'm, your dad was a good man. Your, your dad was a, was a very smart man. He was very, you know, he was always a good friend. He was always, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, and I don't agree, I don't disagree with that. He was a good man. He was a great man. He was a powerful man. He was way smarter than I'll ever be. And then I started getting people saying, "You're, uh, you're, you're Christopher, right? You're, you're Bobby's kid." Yeah, yeah, I am. Man, he was always bringing in articles from from newspapers and and magazines and stuff about where you were performing, and and he would talk about all the places all over the world you were traveling and how amazing you were. And he would show us videos of you on the YouTube about, uh, about where you were performing and, and some of your shows, and you're, you're really pretty funny. And he was, always, he was always bragging about you. He always, always, always was talking about you. Sometimes it, it would get too much because it would just be like, guess where my boy is? Guess where my boy is today? He's over in Germany. He's over in Hamburg, Germany, and he is entertaining right where I was uh, assigned in the army. I, I spent some time in Hamburg myself. My boy is over there right now, and he's entertaining people. He's he's doing a he's doing a show for a week over there. And it happened, and it happened, and it happened over and over again. And I came really close to just walking outside to check the door to make sure I was in the correct room. And uh, he never expressed any of those things to me while he was alive. I, uh, I felt like a disappointment. I felt like a fuck-up. But all that time, where I couldn't hear it, my dad was being a fan was was praising me to his friends 
was being proud of me, but where I couldn't see it. A little later, a little later, a few weeks later, uh, cleaning out his uh, house, taking his clothes and things to, to charity and distributing the valuables and things that uh, he wanted other people to have, making sure they got a hold of it, closing out his account, basically. I found a box in the back of his closet under some clothes, just a cardboard box, not very big, you know, uh, foot and a half by foot, I mean, a little square box, you know, about a little, little bigger than a bowling ball, I guess. I, I'm not good with... It was smaller than a bus. It was bigger than a ring box. Inside that, uh, inside that box was, uh, were, were trophies. There were, there were several trophies, um, for ballroom dancing. And it turns out that in his 50s, my dad wanted to wanted to learn how to how to uh, how to ballroom dance. And apparently, he was very very good at it. Um, so he took lessons and and he uh, you know did the did the social dancing thing and entered some contests and and won 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 the contests that that he entered. And I was told that. He really came to life when he got on the floor and started moving to the music and everybody would stop and watch him dance. And, and uh, I was told he was very impressive. I never got to see that myself. And uh, he took the trophies that he won and he, he, you know, cleaned them up really nicely and he wrapped them up very, very delicately, and he put them in a box, and he put them in the back of his closet, and he put his clothes on top of them so that nobody would see them. On the mantle over his fireplace were his uh, football trophies and his golf trophies uh, on display because he was proud of them. And in the back of his closet, under some clothes, in a box wrapped up in, in, uh, wrapped up, was his passion, was his dancing, was his making himself, his partner, and the people that were watching happy, being artistic, being creative, being light of heart and light of feet, and just celebrating life. And that's what he was ashamed of. If I live to be twice as old as my father, I don't think I will ever understand him. I don't get it. I really don't get it. He loved me. I, had, I never had any question about did my father love me. Yeah, he did. He did, big time. Big time, I mean, and demonstrably so. I felt I was a disappointment. I felt I was less than what he wanted, but I never 
Yeah, you know, after I stopped being a dumbass teenager, I didn't question the love my father had for me. He just didn't, he didn't understand me, and I do not understand him. But he was proud of me, even though I didn't know it. I was going to talk about politics. I was going to talk about the world being on fire and bruised and bleeding, but I'm got surprised. Uh, maybe I'll talk about that another time, but it doesn't seem all that important right now. You... If you believe in a loving, giving God who created the heavens and the universe and incidentally created you, and if you believe that we are created in God's image, then that, by definition, means that you are a creative creature, that you are born to make something, born to make people laugh, born to make people inspired, born to distract people from the fire and the bruises and the bleeding that the world presents to you. Maybe you're putting paint on a canvas. Maybe you're putting words on a page. Maybe you're just saying words into a microphone. Maybe you're just dancing with your children. Or maybe you're throwing a ball. But do it with everything that you have. And encourage those people that are in your vicinity to do the same. And tell your kids you love them. And tell your kids that you're proud of them. Don't assume they know it. Tell them while you're still alive. Tell them while you're still together. Tell them while they're still listening to you. Tell them how amazing they are. And tell yourself, too, while you're busy telling your kids how amazing they are, telling them how much you love them and how proud you are of them, remember that they were made by you, crafted by you, raised by you. So take a moment and love yourself and tell yourself you're proud of you. And that's how we put the fire out. I hope there's love right where you are. I may not know exactly where this road is taking me. I know that I'm exactly right where I'm supposed to be. The journey is long, full of joy and pain. But as long smiling I'll stand in the rain I've got nothing left to give other than love but the funny thing about that is love is everything love 
full of tricks But if you'd open up your eyes You would see nothing but the truth Behind all of my lies love.